You want movies? These two are in my circle of trust. We got movie reviews on Phoenix FM. That's right. So, as always, thrilled to welcome Mr. Mark Searby to the studio. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you, Spencer. Very well indeed. How are you? Yeah, warm. Warm <laughs> today again. It's like, I know I moan about it every week, but one minute it's cold again, now it's warm again. What's going on? You keep so. jinxing it. You keep jinxing this, Spencer. It's going to turn very cold very quickly. Yeah, well, I don't mind that. Um, I don't mind that. I can cope with it. I don't mind the cold weather. I've said that before. No, oh, I like the refer- no, I like the warm weather, but somebody referred to them as being the burr months, which I really like, the burr months, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm uh, I'm quite pleased with. So anyway, enough of my rambling. What delights have you got for us today, sir? Uh, so in cinemas today, well, in cinemas now, basically, we've got Bolan's Shoes. Now, you a Mark Bolan fan, T-Rex? That's your thing, Spencer? Quite uh- I wouldn't say a huge, huge fan, but I am a fan. I'm not a mm-hmm. diehard, but I am a fan. I love um, that kind of era, but I also like, um, you know, I like my pop stars that pushed the boat a little bit and pushed it a little bit. I like them with a bit of edge. So Mark Boland was certainly one of a kind. So yes is the answer. Right. Okay. The, the reason I ask that is because this movie is sort of about Mark Bolan and T-Rex, but sort of not. Um it, it kind of looks like it is. It's actually about Penny and Jimmy, who are brother and sister. Now, they grew up in a child's home, children's home, after they were involved in an accident after they'd been attending a T-Rex com- concert. So decades later, they are still trying to come to terms with what happened on that fateful night. So you can see what I mean by it's kind of about Mark Bolan and T-Rex, but it's kind of not. It, it sort of uses yeah, it as, yeah. as a sort of jumping off point. There are times where you get a movie that isn't what you're expecting it to be in a good way. There are other times where it's not what you're expecting it to be in a bad way as well. We know this. We've seen loads of movies like this. This film sort of sits in the middle that I really wasn't expecting what was on show, but what was on show wasn't really what I was kind of finding that interesting or expecting. I thought... The early years time frame of Penny and Jimmy was very interesting. It showed their youthful exuberance about attending a music gig and how music brings everybody together. You know, we all know this when we first went to a music gig when we were teenagers that, you know, our eyes were wide open. We're like, I can't believe it. This is the best thing you ever. You never forget your first gig. No, You're right. Absolutely. And I think that's what this film is trying to say is that, listen, you're, you have such a good time when you first go to something like that. Whether you're a T-Rex fan or not, that angle of the storyline I thought worked very well. And I think it's got that connection, as we just said, with everybody who's of a young age who starts to consume music day in, day out, and eventually they get to go and see their first gig. And I just thought that that was portrayed very, very well here. Um, Do you remember your first gig? I do. I do. Yes, absolutely. Wet, wet, wet. Sheffield Arena. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I went big first off, Spencer. I went really big. You know, they no, were huge, weren't they? It was. So this was, oh, God, goodness me. You now, I'm now thinking maybe nine. Yeah, it must have been 94 because they sang Love is All Around. So, yes. Probably Which 94. was the number one for about a year, wasn't it? It, was <laughs> it felt like a long time, <laughs> didn't it? It really did. Yeah. Uh, so that was mine. You, are you going to tell me it was T Rex? 
I'm not that old. No, it was no. It was my first gig was Bucks Fizz, the Dominion Theatre in London, Tottenham Court Road, in 1983. I think it was. You see, that's quite glamorous, like Dominion Theatre. It was. They played. It it was so weird because they were like, I don't say an odd band, but they were like really popular but never cool. And it Mm. uh, and it was. So they played theatres and they had massive stage sets like you would get at Wembley and stuff. And at the time they were so huge, they would have done Wembley. But they just did like six nights at the Dominium, which would have filled out Wembley, which is ridiculous. So I think they were just getting their money's worth. If, yeah. If, if, yeah. That's what it was all about. Yeah. But I, I remember it to this day. I remember it. It shows you my age. It was they were sponsored by Sharp. Wow. If you, if you remember Sharp. And the stage set was a big um, portable music box. And um, and it started, um, the tape deck came down and they were in the tape deck. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And I was like a gog, just like amazed. I'd never you seen see, anything like it. That goes back to what we were just saying. You never forget your first gig, when, especially when no. you're a teenager as well. And the... the the fact that you saw them at a, a theatre actually goes hand in hand with this movie because when we first see Penny and Jimmy going to see T-Rex, they're actually playing in a relatively small venue. It is actually a theatre and they're waiting in the wings to actually see Mark Boland, not not meet him as such, but just kind of be there, you know, just kind of not backstage either, just kind of be there. So I think it kind of goes hand in hand with what you were saying is that there's this sort of era where you went to see very big acts in what we look back at now is these kind of obscure venues. Um, yeah. yeah. Venues where you go, they'd never play there now, but so that's what happens in Bowling shoes as well. They play these theaters rather than anything else. Now the, in the movie, the time frame for the adult Penny and Jimmy, I, this is where I think the film lets itself down. I don't think it's that good or it's that interesting. Really. It's kind of muddled to begin with. And then when, I don't want to say the twist, but when something happens, I just felt like the film loses itself anymore. It seems to want to bamboozle the viewer by pretending to be one thing. And then when it changes, it's completely something completely different. I just didn't think either adult angle works. There's so much more that could have been said about the adult struggles of Penny and Jimmy together and separately that the film misses. It seems to be reaching for one idea and yet, misses that and a few more i i just think it's a shame because some of the themes especially in penny's storyline if fleshed out more could have really been interesting and probably resonated with a lot of people who grew up in the 1970s and went to see acts in these types of situations in these types of venues which obviously were what we were talking about so I just found it quite frustrating at times. I, you know, I'm just feeling like you're missing some things here. Oh, I will say that the acting is fine. Timothy Spall is okay as adult uh, adult Jimmy, and Leanne Best is actually pretty good as adult Penny as well. I, in fact, I think probably Leanne Best makes some really good work out of some very poor material. Uh, you you can just kind of tell that it's all down to a poor script. You know, some of the dialogue's average. Oh, it's a shame, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I, as I said, some of the choices in this storyline I don't think work. But if they'd have if they'd have done something a bit more with Penne, I'm just thinking, oh, this could have been a really interesting story, talking about really interesting points. Unfortunately, it doesn't. 
And the thing is, as I said, you know, Boland Shoes, that's the movie's title. So you're thinking Mark Boland, of course. But it's not really about Mark Boland. It's that jumping off point. That's the hook to bring you in. The actual storyline itself is about lost childhoods and struggling adulthood as well. You know, those are things that we can all relate to. I just wish the film had been a bit bolder and a bit braver with some of that and how it connected back to Mark Boland and to T-Rex as well. So I just don't think there's enough here to make it as interesting as it could have been. And I came away just feeling a little bit disappointed with it. Oh, that's a shame. One uh, one were put to one side then maybe for a rainy day. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, one of those. Okay, what we got next? On DVD and Blu-ray now is a film called Return to Soul. Now, this is about a 25-year-old French woman who returns to Korea, the country where she was born before being adopted by a French couple. She goes back for the first time ever, and she decides to track down her biological parents. But her journey takes a surprising twist. Now, okay. this, yeah. Now, this movie, it's got it's got a lot of questions in it. it. I mean, the main question here is, what is our own personal identity? You know, that's a question that I think most of us ask ourselves at one time or another. Where, where do we fit in? with ourselves and with the wider world. You know, who are we really? That's the thing. So it's big questions being asked in this movie. And I think this film asks those and then some, because this is not just about racial identity, but it's also about cultural identity as well. So uh, Frédéric, a.k.a. Freddie, believes herself to be French. But as she delves more into her birth, and she's kind of starting to wonder... Is she more Korean than she might ever have known? So this film is looking at identity in two ways, maybe more ways, really. You've got the one that is via the main character and her relationship with the country she was born in compared to the country that she grew up in and how she tries to process those feelings. Difficult, really difficult for her. Then you've got added on top of that, it looks as how there is a possibility the, to, to kind of change your identity at any moment. You know, can Freddie be Korean? Is that possible for her? Or is she forever going to believe that she is French? It's a question that only she can answer. And so the film kind of looks more at this in the second half of the movie. The first half of the movie is very much introducing you to the character. Second half of it is all about identity. And while that kind of I think there might be some people going, well, it just kind of sounds like an ordinary drama. There are times in this movie where it goes quite visually visceral with its lead character. There's a couple of times where Freddie starts to lose sight of herself while in Korea. Um, There's one scene where she goes to a nightclub and loses herself in the darkness and suddenly seems to be letting out all the hurt and the anguish and the pain that she is currently going through. And when you've got something like that, it's it's got a somber tone to it, and yet it's got a visceral edge as well. So it's quite intoxicating to watch how those meld together here. So that's, for me, I was quite, I was quite taken back by how... Visceral- is he done quite cleverly? I don't know... 
Well, it is. Yeah, I guess so. That's a good question, actually, Spencer. Yes, I think it is to a certain degree. You know, it's not sort of, you know, it doesn't go all like, you know, visuals and it, it doesn't go, you know, sort of Beatles during their LSD period or anything else like that. But it does it in a way that feels very relevant, not just to the character, but also to modern times as well you know us going to a nightclub and kind of just losing ourselves on the dance floor i think it's done like that as well the thing about this movie and this is where i'm really gonna have to sell this to you spencer is that if you can get on with freddie she isn't the most likable of central characters and that's the problem here so you have to really, really you invest in her. Yeah, you really have to invest in her because the whole story hinges on her. So you're either going to stomach her antics, or you're just going to give up on her completely very early on. Because the thing is, while she's trying to understand who she is, where she's from, all of this, her attitude and her demeanor very rarely changes in this movie. And it's the type of attitude that I think will really rub people up the wrong way. She's a very Marmite character. No two ways about it. I found her quite compelling and very complex as well. So I'm really stuck with her all the way through, even the things where I'm like, I don't like what she's doing here. I don't like her attitude or anything. But I thought, you know what? You're still stuck with it, yeah. Yeah, there might be something out the other side of this sequence that actually gives us a better perspective of why she's like she is. So it's, you know, it's tough. It's tough to ask somebody to sit and watch a movie and turn around and say, you're probably not going to like this character, but do stick with it because... There's there's bigger themes going on here. There's bigger ideas with this character and more. So it's not an easy watch at all. You know, I'm not saying you're not going to look away or it's blood and guts or anything else like that. It's just tough watch because of that central character. However, I think it's a film that continues to ask questions about identity and the search for it as well. And whether in the long run, it's really worth all of that for you. And that's what Return to Soul comes down to, is that it asks all of these questions of Freddie, And I think the film is also asking us, the viewers, to have those thoughts as well. So recommended. So that sounds really interesting, actually, because it's nice to get just get something that gets you thinking isn't it you know as i said we've talked about this before but there's a place for just going and watching you know just your your exciting big big blockbusters but there's a place for films that get you thinking and really investing in something yeah absolutely and the thing is with some of these movies well with most of these movies because they're dealing with these ideas it's throwing all real life situations about and as you say you can go and you can turn your brain off and you can watch you know fast x or mission impossible or whatever else but sometimes you want movies that really connect with you or you discover something that you didn't know. And I think that's the beauty of some of these smaller movies that we do cover on here is that people will take a chance and go, you know what? Wasn't expecting that. Really pleased I saw it. And that was the same with Return to Soul. I'd heard good things, finally saw it. And I was like, yeah, this is this is really well put together. It's a real thinker's film. And I like that about it. Yeah, we like that. We're going to add that to the list. Thank you, sir. All right, last cab off the rank today. What have we ha- What have we got? Well, I'm. Do you know what? It's funny you say cab off the rank because this is a movie about cars. Oh, see, it's almost like I planned this. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. So this is a movie called Rally Road Racers, and it's about a group of racers who compete in a high stakes rally along the famous Silk Road trade route. 
I, I'm going to put my hand up here and say, I'm not sure setting an, an animated kids movie along a political trade route is the best idea for a story. Seems weird to me. I was just going to, <laughs> before you said that, I was just going to ask if this was akin to um, like Death Race 2000, but clearly not because it's a kid's <laughs> film. <laughs> well, you know, you bring up a good point there, Spencer, actually, with Death Race 2000, because it kind of is a animated version of sort of Death Race 2000 to a certain degree. Granted, you know, it's not got Stallone in it or anybody like that. And it's not got some madcap Roger Corman um uh, deaths in there either but it's just i don't know it's just it, it, you know considering the film doesn't touch on any political issues about the trade route at all instead it's all about driving maybe we could see a way through of that line from rally road races to death race 2000 so you bring up a question there that's got me thinking that maybe we could see something actually um but you know look this is a kids movie about racing if you include a lot of politics, I don't know if it's going to work. I, I just can't see it. So the, right. the Silk Road idea is the jumping off point because it's a sort of racing location, as quite a lot of us will know. Anyway, enough. Do you know what? Let's forget the adulting thing here and, and the ideas as well. And let's let's have a look at the movie. Let's see what it's like about racing. And it just about manages to be fun. It's got this ragtag bunch of drivers who are all competing against each other in different vehicles and with different prizes to be won. It's quite frenetic. So when the racing starts, it's really quick and you're kind of trying to keep up. And I was impressed with how the film doesn't really stand still for much of its runtime. Instead, it does the thing, what we all want when it comes to a racing movie. You want to see the races. You want to see the drivers racing each other and, you know, doing whatever. And, you, you know, you want to see all of that. And that's what we yeah. get. Yeah, because quite often in those sort of films, sometimes you get long periods where the, the, the scene is just set in the car and they're just talking about, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and you just lose momentum, don't you, with, with what the actual film is about. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, that sort of I think that sort of happened with the Cars franchise, you know, the Pixar cars franchise yeah 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 um i like the first one the second one i just thought completely lost itself the third one is 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 my favorite i mean it's completely dark and and uh much more adult than i was expecting and i think that's possibly what cars did it sort of lost sight of itself the thing is i mentioned cars because anybody who is coming to this thinking well this is just like going to be a ripoff of of cars is going to be slightly disappointed also if you're thinking this is kind of going to be a play on mario kart you might be disappointed as well because this is a straight-up race with a few few brief segments thrown in about a couple of central characters and why they're doing the race. It's all a little bit strung together in order to make it break away from just the racing. You know, the human interest stories or... Actually, they're not... Sorry, they're not human interest stories because they're all animals. That's the thing. So animal interest stories? Are we... Is that... We'll go with that. Okay. Hey. Do you say it's out in the moment? It's 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 in to... cinemas. Yeah, it's in cinemas. It's an odd time, odd time of year to release a film like this, isn't it? I'm really pleased you brought that up because you would think bring it out when kids are off, like school like four holidays. weeks ago when school yeah. holidays, or wait till October half term. That's yeah, what I'm just so yeah. I, I I don't know why that release schedule has happened. I I really don't know at all, and it is odd. It really is odd because 
The thing is, I came away from this movie going, you know what? This is pretty good, actually. It's not bad at all. It's It's got some really good bits in it. There's a couple of dull bits in it as well. I mean, it's never going to compete with Cars, and it's never going to compete you know. with Mario Kart or even Death Race 2000. Thank you for that, Spencer. Um, but, Glorious. you know, the, the, the films sometimes don't have to. They can just do their own thing. And that's what Rally Road Racers does. I just thought... Considering there's no real big names behind the voices or anything else like that, you know, there's some names in there who you might recognize, but I'm not taught, you know, I'm not like people like Eddie Murphy and Mike Myers are not there. Um, I just thought this is an okay way to spend 90 minutes. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. There, there isn't. There isn't at all. I think that's the thing. It's just, as you say, it's a shame it's come out now because I think it will get lost a little bit because kids are back at mm. school, not going to go to the, well, might go to the cinema to see something new. I don't know. One other thing I've got to mention about this movie, actually, Spencer, and I think hopefully this will pique the interest of the adults amongst who are listening, who are thinking, oh, I don't know whether to take the kids to see this or not. Uh, so there's an animated sequence in this movie, about three minutes. It's all set to Aha's Take On Me. Oh, glorious. And it is based on the actual video. So you know the video where it's like... So they fall into the cartoon, hand-drawn and all of that. Yeah, Yes, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It had me howling with laughter. It's such an ingenious idea. And I'm really surprised nobody has ever done it before. Having seen it in this movie, I'm like, how have you not done it? Because, you know, the original Aha movie has the whole racing sequence in there. Yeah, it does, yeah. So many racing car movies, animated movies. Nobody's done it before. This has done it. And when it kicks in, oh, my goodness, it's so good. It's so funny. It is so, so funny. And as you say, it might get lost, mightn't it? It might if if the film doesn't, people don't see it. And um, what yeah, a shame. That, that, what a shame. I think that's the thing. You're right, there, Spencer. It is a bit of a shame because this is kind of fun. I kind of liked it. You know, I, it's not uprooting any trees or anything else like that. But for ninety minutes, I just thought there's a place for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you exactly. know, it's fine. Well, listen, we've got three different choices today. Thank you very much. And um, some really good ones to add to the list. So do we have anything sorted for ne- next week here, or is it still a surprise? No, no, I've got some stuff for you next week. So next week, we will be talking about the new Richard E. Grant movie. That's called The Lesson. Uh, and it stars up-and-coming actor Daryl McCormack, who I'm a big fan of. I've uh, been watching him in a few things recently, uh, including Bad Sisters on Apple TV. And he's... He's did he play really... the brother-in-law? Or... He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yes, 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 yes. He's making some really interesting choices. I thought he was very good in um, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, opposite um, uh, Emma, Emma Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. yeah, so he's making interesting choices. So he's in this as well. So that's called The Lesson. That's going to be in cinemas. On DVD and Blu-ray, we're going to talk about a film called Junkhead. It's a stop-motion animation out of Asia, and it took the writer-director, I think it took him about five years to make himself. Just him. Just him making it. Nobody else. Just him. Stop-motion animation. Um, Okay. So we'll talk about that. And then if you subscribe to the podcast, um, we're going to have, myself and Spencer are going to have a heated debate about The Flash. Oh, have you yeah. seen it yet? I've seen it, yes, because it's out on DVD next week, DVD and Blu-ray next week. So I thought, you yeah. know what? Me and you will have to discuss this at length because I know you've seen it. I saw it last week, and I know we're gonna start we're gonna go at length about certain things. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes. yes. I'll, yes. Um, I was about to comment then. I'm not going to. I'm going to hold it back until next week. Next week. <laughs> Listen, get get all your notes together, Spencer, because I want to hear your notes as well as mine. Okay. Absolutely. We shall do that. So thank you very much for today. It's appreciated. Not a problem at all. And uh, you have a great week and I'll speak to you next weekend. Will do. Take care. Now remember, you're only supposed to listen to Phoenix FM if you want film reviews.